You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Set just below the belt, 2-1. And Kent drives this one deep down the right field line. Ball is hooking, and that ball is gone! It's gone! It's gone! Tony Kemp, a walk-off homer in the bottom of the 10th, and the Astros win it. Four to three. He deserves a hug. And he's got a hug from about 30 of his teammates and coaches. Everybody dancing right on top of home plate as Tony Kemp sends everybody home in a frenzy. What an at bat. That is how you end an 0 for 12. Gets the ice bucket dumped on him. Plenty of handshakes. And he just got hugged by Chirinos <laughs> and by Brantley. So plenty of hugs. Hugs for homers. <laughs> and now gets the biggest hug from his skipper, A.J. Hinch. Tony Kemp joins us in the Astros dugout. Well, Tony, just take us. First of all, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. And take us through that at bat and just kind of what you were looking for and what you were trying to do up there. Yeah, uh, you know, first of all, I was looking for a walk, but, uh, you know, I think I kind of surprised myself right there. Uh, You know, once he got ahead with the the fastball, I knew he was going to try to throw a slider. Luckily, he missed, and uh, once I was able to get 2-1, just uh, sitting fastball, working in the cage, and, you know, off to a little slow start right now, so it's different different for me getting ready and just try to stay prepared each day and each opportunity. Last thing, Tony, I know you want to get inside and celebrate with your teammates. Is it better... To give a hug or receive a hug? <laughs> oh man, I think it's uh, I think it's better to receive a hug in that situation. I uh, wow, that that was, that situation surprised me. I was like, wow, hit the ball. I was like, wow, that's got a really good chance. <laughs> no, Happy it, for you, man. Thanks, guys. It feels good. There comes a time in everyone's life when talk is cheap and it's time to show up to get back to the top and build a legacy. If we grind together, we can take it back. Our team and our city. This is why we play. This is who we do it for. Take it back. For tickets, go to Astros.com slash tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. And welcome back. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks joined as we are every Sunday by Astros general manager Jeff Luno and the Astros taking on the Cleveland Indians right now. And uh, a lot of love throw Michael Brantley's way. Of course, an Indian for 10 years before coming over to the Astros as a free agent this year. And just hearing Terry Francona and the Indians players all talk about Brantley's influence both on and off the field. I mean, I'm sure you knew a lot of this even before you signed up, but it just kind of validates part of the reasons that, that you guys had for, for bringing him here. It does, and in very short time, we've gotten to know him in a way that they've known him for a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you let a guy like that go, uh, but I was real glad that we were able to get him because not only is he doing well on the field for us, he's just such a stable, positive influence in the clubhouse and everything he does. Jeff, you guys have to be thrilled with your bench right now. And Tony Kemp comes into the game last night in the 10th inning and pops that game winner, the walk-off. Uh, so exciting, but so many guys that are on your team that are fighting for at-bats right now, and Tony's one of those. He is, and, you know, it's a sign of a good team. I mean, Tyler White's fighting for his at-bats, and Tony Kemp and both of those guys know that, you know, they need to continue to produce to stay at this level because they're out of options and they're players in the minor leagues that are knocking at the door. But it was, I always felt really good for Tony yesterday. He worked hard on that. He was in the video room watching video of Simber 
leading up to his at bat, and he came out and uh, he told the, one of the guys in the video room, "I think I can get this guy," and sure enough, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And you know, speaking of the bench, maybe not quite the bench, but the bullpen, and we've seen Hector Rondon struggle his last couple of times out. Josh James has been a little bit hit or miss. We've seen him have show flashes, but also have struggles. Are there concerns about maybe the the bullpen death? I know it's early, but is is it something that that's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I do get concerned about it, but then I look at the numbers, and Rondon's having a good year. Harris is having a good year. You know, Davinsky, um, and and Josh James, even though he's given up a lot of big hits and and he's uh, ERA is high, he's punched out a bunch of guys. So. You know, I think we just got to let these guys work through it. There's going to be ebbs and flows of the bullpen, and I'm not sure there's really anybody down in AAA that makes more sense than the guys we have here. So I think for the time being, we're just going to keep rolling with the guys we have, and obviously we'll make adjustments if, if they're still struggling a month from now. Jeff, getting back to Josh James for a moment, at what point do you, do you say, all right, he may not be able to get over the hump at this level. He may just need to get out of this situation, go down to AAA to work on some things to get back up here. Really, it's uh, if we can continue to give him opportunities and he can work through it here, that's our preference because yeah. the stuff is electric. It's among the best in baseball we see it, and you can see it in the punch-out numbers. But, you know, he's given up hits and he's thrown ill-advised pitches at the wrong time, and we just need to work through that. I mean, we're, gonna, we're not going to lose extra games because we keep a guy up here too long. But, you know, again, I think about who do we have in AAA that can come up and play that role and have that 98 you know, there's really, you know, you got Goodwan who's been up here once already. You've got Armenteros and Rogers and other guys on the roster. And then the non-roster prospects who are, when they come up, are probably going to be in the rotation. So there's not a ton of great options right now. Um, and that helps him. But it also, we don't want to lose games because we keep a guy too long. Mm. Now, this time next week, going to be in Monterey, Mexico. Two-game series against the Angels Saturday and Sunday. Now, because it's an international game and in, in in, down yeah. in Mexico, get to add a 26-player to the roster you and the and the angels both get to do so i assume you and aj have kind of talked about that and and what what you might be looking for for that spot for those two games yeah i think we're going to probably bring up a, a pitcher just because we've been to mexico before and we've seen the run environment and mexico city and guadalajara are different but i've heard from the teams that have been there already mm -hmm. that the ball sails and there's going to be a lot of home runs and so you know, I think having an extra pitcher will probably help us. Plus, we're, we're a pitcher short than where we were last year, and we're going through a long stretch of consecutive games twice. The only off day we have is that day we're flying to Monterey, and who knows, there might be a doubleheader on Thursday if the weather's not picking up and uh, if the weather's bad on Wednesday in Minneapolis. So um, I think a pitcher will be it. We just need to wait and see how the week uh, unfolds and see who it is. To, you know, do we bring Goodwan back? Is it someone like Armenteros or Rogers or, or somebody else? Jeff, on a personal level, what's it mean for you, uh, for the Astros, to go play in Mexico? In, in the second part, I want to ask you, do you think there will ever be expansion, uh, an expansion team in Mexico? I hope so. I mean, personally, I grew up in Mexico. I was born there. I have Mexican nationality. The, to be able to go down there with a major league team that I represent and, and play two games is a lot of fun for me. I've been doing a lot of media these last couple of weeks. I'm sure I'll do a lot more this weekend. It's fun that we have a Mexican national on our team as well in Roberto Asuna. So it's going to be a great weekend. It's a division series, so we're going to have to take it seriously and really try and win those games. You know, as far as whether there'll be a team there, I know that it's on the list of places mm -hmm. that if there is expansion, you know, mm -hmm. Mexico would certainly make sense. I think, you know, a team in, in Europe would be amazing. Uh, but obviously there's some markets in the States, you know, Vegas and Portland and others that would probably get a look as well. And then there's the markets in, in the States that probably need a new stadium before any of that happens. So there's there's a long way to go. But I think at the end of the day, a team in Mexico is going to happen. It's going to happen in the next 10 to 20 years. Welcome back. Once again, joined 
by Jeff Little before the Astros wrap up this series with the Cleveland Indians. Well, this homestand started with the Astros taking on the Minnesota Twins and a lot of attention thrown Marwin Gonzalez's way with Marwin, his first trip back to Houston since uh, going over to the Twins as a free agent. Your first move as a general manager was recommending that the Astros acquire Marwin Gonzalez through the full Rule 5 draft. There was a trade involved there. But take us back to, first of all, becoming Astros GM happened during that winter yeah. meetings in 2011 and just kind of that whole process that, that eventually culminated in you picking Marwin Gonzalez. Well, it was a whirlwind because I we made the announcement around 11 o'clock at night, and then I went over to the Astros suite, which happened to be on the same floor as the Cardinals suite where I had been spending the entire day. And I, I knew some of the people there uh, mm -hmm. because of the scouting and player development, but I introduced myself. I'm now the new guy in charge. And, you know, the, with the Rule 5 draft the next morning, we were picking first. So they said they wanted to take a guy named Reiner Cruz, and they had some other ideas for mm -hmm. the second pick. And I said, well, there's this uh, Venezuelan shortstop who's kind of blocked in the Cubs system, and I think he can probably play shortstop. And the Astros didn't really have uh, We had Angel Sanchez and a couple other guys, but didn't have a shortstop. And so they said, okay, well, we're not going to tell the boss no. Mm. Um, and they say, can we make a trade with Boston because they want to take a guy and our guy's not going to get taken. So I let them do that. But um, it was uh, it was neat. And Marwin and I were here together the entire time. And, you know, it's great to see the fans react to him the way we did. It's not often that a utility player gets, you know, that much recognition once he leaves the team. But that's because he was so much more than a utility player for us. He was an everyday player that just happened to play a lot of different positions. And he did it well. And he contributed some big moments in our history. So he'll never be forgotten here. Jeff, from experience, when you're talking about utility players, I think at the beginning of their career, they're content because they're just getting their feet wet at the major league level. But at what point does that player start to sour on, on the idea of not being an everyday player? And how do, you, how do you regard that? It's a good question. It's one something that managers have to deal with all the time. Uh -huh. and I, you know, Tony Russo is one of the best at managing the personalities and A.J. Hinches as well. I think in today's game, with the amount of rest that the regulars get and the amount of positional flexibility that, that players have in terms of moving around, it's a lot easier to be like a Marwin, a guy that is a utility player but really gets to play 450 at-bats a year, so mm -hmm. he's really more like a regular. Uh, but I know it can be frustrating for guys when they you know, do everything they can, they're glad they're here, and then they just want more playing time, but there's a regular guy playing third base every day and they're not getting to crack that, that lineup. You know, we've talked about this a few times on the air when the Astros have the pull shift on, left-handed hitter up, and Correa is behind second or just to the right of second base. You have a double play opportunity. You know, shortstop's used to having the momentum coming across the back to make the throw, but Correa can make that throw flat-footed because he has such a strong arm. And what I want to know is when you're evaluating some of your guys in the system and even guys maybe that you're thinking about bringing into the organization, how much do you think about things like that, similar to that, in terms of how guys will fit into some of the shifting that the that teams like to do? It's important. And, you know, Correa actually got uh, was involved in a lot of shifting in the minor leagues before he got to the big leagues. So um, he was used to it before he got here. But he has such incredible body control and athleticism that he's able to do things that not a lot of people are. And, you know, I got to tell you, every night I see a ball go up the middle and get caught and turn into a double player and out that, you know, five years ago, that would have been a single right up yeah. the middle. And those are no longer singles. Those are automatic outs now. And so it's definitely an important thing to be doing. And our athletes are figuring out how to turn the double plays from those weird angles and how to make those plays. And, and it's just part of how we evaluate them. Even at the college level, you're starting to see some shifts now. And, and when we work guys out, uh, at our complex or wherever, we, we make sure that they're doing, um, you know, we, we see how their body control is and how they can throw it from those different spots. Jeff, one-sixth of the way through the season now after yesterday's game, you're on pace to win 96 games. And how mindful are you 
of how difficult your schedule's been yeah. already. You've played each of the top two teams in each American League division so far uh, compared to other teams, a much harder road. Yeah, I, and I'm glad because, you know, having to face all these tough teams right out of the gate is forcing us to, to be our best. And, you know, that Cole Bauer outing the other night was amazing. We came on losing side. But those are the types of games you're going to face in the playoffs, and we're getting used to that right away. Hopefully there's an easier part of the schedule ahead and we can accumulate some wins. But I'm really happy with where this team is right now. I think we're in great shape. You know, Seattle's obviously off to a great start, and they're half a game ahead of us, and we're going to have to continue to track them down. But, uh, I, you know, if, if it were easy wire to wire, we wouldn't be ready for the postseason. So I like tough at the beginning. I like tough somewhere in the middle, and I like tough at the end to get these guys ready for the postseason. Well, a lot of ways things have changed over the last few years that you've been GM, and, you know, this time – few years ago we'd be talking about who the Astros going to pick you have one of the top picks in the draft yeah. well picking 32nd is your first pick this year in the draft a uh, little different Mike Elias has run the last several drafts uh, obviously now the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles so how's that whole process going just just getting prepared for for the I guess it's three days in June yeah it's going well we're going to do the draft in Florida I'm really excited about it we're going to get a great player at 32 and there's a lot of big leaguers down in that range and then beyond that we still don't know whether we're going to get a pick for Keuchel, depending upon whether he signs or not. But right. we're, we'll be ready. And we've got some exceptional scouts that have been with us for a while. We've got a lot of guys here in the front office who are doing a lot of great work. And uh, it's all going to come together. I'm really looking forward to it. The draft is a fun time of year, and we're going to get more good players and to add to a, what's a, already a really good system. Jeff, last thing. If there was room, if there was a need, is Jordan Alvarez the next guy? You know, he is doing exceptional things. And, by the way, we're calling him Jordan now. That's what he wants to be called. Okay, so okay. good Jordan, to know. Jordan Alvarez. Good. Um, what he has done to start the year is incredible. This guy's 22 years old. He is hitting for monster power. He's yep. hitting for a high average. There's, You know, he's playing good left field. He's, he's, he's a guy that is screaming, I'm ready for the big leagues. You know, right now I would think we want to be patient and figure out when's the right time to integrate him into this lineup. But when – you know, I can tell you that when I go downstairs, AJ is looking at me kind of thinking, you know, what's, when's, uh, when's Jeff going to let me have this guy? Because uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, and, and I'm going to go to uh, Round Rock and watch him here in the next uh, road trip, and, and we'll see what happens after that. You still want to be known as Jeff, right? I still, I'm still okay with Okay, Jeff. just making sure. <laughs> <Thanks> Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Luno, Astros President of Baseball Operations and General Manager. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, we'll be back with more of Astro Launch after this.